Well, hey everybody, I'm Adam Shell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. In this episode of our podcast, we are continuing on in our sermon series called The Promised Land. And all throughout this series, we're exploring lessons that the people of Israel learned as they entered into the Promised Land. Things that they needed to know to help them be the people that God wanted them to be, and to do the things that God called them to do. Well, in this episode, we're going to be taking a closer look at a lesson that the people of Israel needed to learn about their past. Because as they entered into the promised land, the mistakes that they had made in the past, the failures that they had experienced, threatened to keep them from being the people God wanted them to be and doing the work that God wanted them to do. So in this sermon, we're going to see what lesson the people of Israel needed to learn about their past and what we need to learn about our past as well. So let's get right into this episode sermon. to give to Abraham and his descendants, the people of Israel, the place that God would use them to become a blessing to all the people and all the nations of the earth. But for us today, and when we think about our promised land, we're not talking about a specific land that was promised to our ancestors. No, instead, our promised land is a place where we can be the people that God has called us to be, and we can do the ministry that God has called us to do. Our promised land is the place where we can be the people that God has called us to be, and we can do the ministry that God has called us to do. So as we enter into this new space, our new church home, it's important for us to be thinking about what we can do in this space to be who God wants us to be and to do the work that God calls us to do. So what we've been doing over the last few weeks is we have been exploring some of the lessons that Abraham's descendants, the people of Israel, learned as they enter into the promised land so that they could be who God wanted them to be, and so that they could do what God wanted them to do. But before we dive in and we start trying to learn another lesson from Israel's journey into and through the Promised Land, I have another story that I want to tell you first. And this story takes place back in the summer, on a warm summer day in 1920, when a little girl named Annie was out playing in the fields behind her family's house. As Annie was out playing in the field, she heard the familiar sound of a train whistle as soon as she heard this familiar sound, she went running down to the train station just as fast as her little legs could carry her. But Annie didn't go running down to the train station because she was hoping that a long-lost family member was finally coming for a visit. And she didn't go running off to the train station in hopes that the, the mail car at the end of the train would have a letter or a package waiting for her. Now, little Annie went running down to the train station as fast as she could because she was hoping that the circus had finally come to town. Now, you got to remember, this story takes place back in 1920. This is 35 years before Walt Disney would open up Disneyland. It was 30 years before the average American family would have a television set inside of their homes. And it was a few months before Annie's family would own their very first radio. So if you were a kid that was growing up in the 1920s, it didn't get much better for you than when the circus came to town. So when Annie arrived at the train station and she saw the familiar circus cars being pulled in by that massive steam engine, she was about as excited as could be. So she went running home to tell her mother that the circus had finally come to town, and then she asked for her mom's permission to go down to the fairgrounds to watch as the big top was set up. Well, after 
after a little bit of begging and a whole lot of pleading, Annie's mother finally gave her permission to go and watch, and as soon as she did, Annie went flying out the house as quickly as she possibly could, and she made it to the fairgrounds just in time to watch as the elephants finished pulling the massive tent poles that would hold up the big top into their place in the middle of each of the circus's three rings. From there, Annie sat and watched transfixed as half a dozen workers drove tent stakes into the ground that the big top would be tied down to. And from there, it was time for the workers to lift those massive tent poles into place. And that was no small feat. It took at least a couple dozen people to lift up each one of those poles. But once the poles were up, it was only a matter of moments before the big top was hoisted into place. And that meant the circus would be starting just a few hours. So you better believe that Annie and her parents were waiting in line just as soon as the ticket booth opened. And as soon as they got their tickets, the family started making their way through the circus midway. And Annie was having the time of her, of her life. She loved watching the midway performances. She especially loved watching the sword swallowers act. And then she had the chance to play some of the midway games, but Annie never could figure out how to knock all those milk bottles over. She even managed to convince her dad to spring for a bucket of popcorn while they were out on the midway that they could take in the show. Well, after they made their way through the midway, it was time for the main attraction. It was time for that three-ring circus underneath the big top. And Annie's family made their way into the circus tent, and they found a few seats together just a couple of rows up in the bleachers. As soon as they got seated, Annie climbed onto her father's lap and took in the whole performance. She watched the lion tamers and the jugglers. She watched the acrobats and the circus clowns. But Annie's favorite act of the night were those elephants she had seen earlier in the day. So when the performance wrapped up, Annie begged her parents to take her over to where the elephants were being kept. Again, her parents took a little convincing, but eventually they agreed, so they went over to where the elephants were kept. And when they arrived, they saw a circus worker rubbing each of the animals down, brushing them off as each animal was fed in water. But Annie couldn't help but notice when she looked at those circus elephants that each of them were chained to a stake in the ground. Well, Annie, being a curious kid, couldn't help but ask the circus worker why the elephants were chained up. The circus worker explained to her they chained the elephants so that the elephants didn't wander off. But Annie was still confused. Earlier in the day, she had seen these massive elephants, each one of them weighing over 5,000 pounds, and they were hauling around the gigantic tent poles that held the entire big top up. So she couldn't figure out how these little stakes in the ground were holding the elephants in place. So she asked the circus worker about it, and he explained to her that they started chaining the elephants up when they were small. So small that the elephants weren't strong enough to pull the chain free to pull the stake out of the ground. He went on to explain that when the elephants got big and strong enough that they could pull the chain free, they didn't even try anymore. Now, what's the story about Annie and those elephants have to do with the people of Israel and their journey into the promised land? And what does it have to do with us as we enter into our new church home? What does it have to do with you as you think about your life? Well, to put it as simply as I can for you, this story shows us that sometimes your past can hurt you. Sometimes your past can hurt you. Now, let me take just a minute to explain what I mean when I say that sometimes your past can hurt you. Because last Sunday, we spent our entire time together talking about how important it is for us to remember every 
that God has done for us in the past. And it is important for us to remember everything that God has done for us in the past because there's no way that we can face uncertain futures if we don't remember what God has done for us in the past. We need to be able to see how God worked in our lives before so that we can have the confidence that God is with us now and God will be with us no matter what we may face. So when you think about how your past can hurt you, well, it's never going to involve the things that God has done for you in the past. Instead, the part of your past that can hurt you are the mistakes that you've made. It's the failures that you've experienced. It's those letdowns that you've suffered through in your life. And that's exactly what happens to those circus elephants in Annie's story. Their past experiences were hurting them in the present. Because of something that they experienced when they were so small, so small that they couldn't break free from their chains, those animals were held back in the present, and they would be held back in the future. And as the people of Israel entered into the promised land, there was a danger that their past was going to hold them back, that their previous mistakes would keep them chained down as they entered into the promised land. There's a chance that their mistakes would keep them from being the people that God wanted them to be and doing the work that God wanted them to do. So there was a lesson that the people of Israel needed to learn before they could become who God wanted them to be and do the work that they were supposed to do as they entered into the promised land. So let me try to show you exactly what I mean. If you've got a Bible close by, I want to encourage you to go ahead and grab it and turn to Joshua chapter 5. Now, all throughout this series on the Promised Land, we're moving our way, working our way through the book of Joshua. Because the book of Joshua tells us the story of how the people of Israel finally entered into the Promised Land and the lessons that they learned along the way. So today we're going to look at the lessons people of Israel needed to learn about the past. But before we do that, i got to give you a little bit more background information. Okay, so in Joshua chapter 5, as we're reading this passage together, we're going to hear the word circumcision used a whole lot in this passage. And I know that that's not exactly the subject matter that anybody thought they were going to be hearing about when you joined us for church this morning, whether you're here in person or you're worshiping with us online today. But this practice was important to the people of Israel and their history with God, and it's in the Bible, so it's okay for us to talk about it in church. All right? So what I want us to do is I want to take a little detour right now, a little sidetrack, to explain to you why this practice was so important to the people of Israel and their history with God. So before we look at Joshua chapter 5, we need to take a detour to Genesis chapter 17, which explains to us why this practice was so important to the people of Israel. So Genesis 17, I'm going to start reading to you in verse number 9. Here's what it says. It says, Then God said to Abraham, As for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or bought with money from a foreigner, those who are not your offspring. Whether born in your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He is broken by covenant. 
So why was the practice of circumcision so important to the people of Israel? Well, the passage that we just read, we're told that God makes a covenant, or God makes a promise to Abraham and Abraham's descendants. And this promise to Abraham and Abraham's descendants is that God is going to use them to bless all the people and all the nations of the earth. But God asks them to do something in return. God asks them to do something to show that they are committed to following God. God asks them to do something to show that they want God to keep this covenant with them. And that is to practice circumcision. All right, so keep that in mind as we take a look at Joshua chapter 5 together. So we're going to start reading in verse 2. Here's what Joshua 5 tells us. It says, At at that time, the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites in Gibeon Haraloth. Now, this is why he did so. All those who came out of Egypt, all the men of military age, died in the wilderness on their way after leaving Egypt. All the people that came out had been circumcised, but all of the people that were born in the wilderness during the journey from Egypt had not. The Israelites had moved about the wilderness for 40 years until all the men who were of military age, when they left Egypt, had died since they had not obeyed the Lord. For the Lord had sworn to them that they would not see the land he had solemnly promised to their ancestors to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. So he raised up their sons in their place, and these were the ones that Joshua circumcised. They were still uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised along the way. Okay, I'm going to pause right here in the story for just a minute so that we can all make sure we're on the same page and we can understand what we just read in those first few verses of Joshua chapter 5. So going back to what we talked about from Genesis 17, God makes a covenant. God makes a promise to Abraham and Abraham's descendants. He says he's going to make them into a great nation. But in order for this to happen, the people of Israel need to remain committed to him. The people of Israel need to do something to show that they want God to keep this covenant. And that's to practice circumcision. But in the passage that we just read in Joshua chapter 5, we find out that the people of Israel haven't been holding out their end of the bargain. For over at least 40 years, we're told that they haven't been doing what God asked them to do. For at least 40 years, the people of Israel hadn't been doing what they were supposed to do to show that they were committed to God. For at least 40 years, the people of Israel hadn't done what they were supposed to do to show that they wanted God to keep his covenant with them. So for 40 years, the people of Israel had been building a chain. A chain that was going to link them to the mistakes that they had made in the past. And just like that chain was strong enough to hold the elephants back in the circus story I told you earlier on, you better believe that the chains the people of Israel had worn, with every mistake they had made, every time that they had failed to do what God wanted them to do, they risked being held back in chains from that past as well. I mean, just stop and think about it for a minute. If you hadn't done something for 40 years, what are the chances that you're going to start doing it tomorrow? I mean, if you haven't exercised in 40 years, what are the chances that you're going to swing by Planet Fitness at some point tomorrow and get a little workout in? If you haven't balanced your checkbook or written a budget in 40 years, what are the chances that you're going to take control of your personal finances tomorrow? 
If you haven't drank a cup of coffee in 40 years, what are the chances that you're going to spend some time at Starbucks drive through line tomorrow morning? It's not very good. And the chances that the people of Israel were going to suddenly be committed to following God in the future, even when they hadn't done what they were supposed to do to show that they were committed to following God for 40 years, those chances weren't very good either. So as the people of Israel entered into the promised land, and they thought about all these mistakes that they had made, as they thought about all these failures that they had experienced, as they thought about all these links that had been formed in these chains tying them to the past, you've got to believe that the people of Israel felt a little bit hopeless. You have to believe that the people of Israel felt like they were alone. You have to believe that the people of Israel must have felt see what happens next in the story. This time we're going to pick back up in verse 8. So here's what Joshua 5 says, starting in verse 8. It says, And after the whole nation had been circumcised, they remained where they were in camp until they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the disgrace of Egypt from you. So the place has been called Gilgal to this day. So in these couple of verses, we hear that the people of Israel finally did what God had asked them to do. They circumcised their males. They finally did what God had asked them to do to show that they were committed to following God. And once the people of Israel showed that they were committed to following God, did you hear what God told them? God told them that as soon as they did what they needed to do to show they were committed to following Him, that God rolled their disgrace away. In the blink of an eye, just like this, God rolled away their disgrace. God broke those chains that were holding them back to their past. God set them free. What an amazing thing that God does for us. Amen? God set the people of Israel free. God gave them a clean slate. Now it was up to them to write a new story. Same thing is true for us in our lives. We've all made mistakes. We've all had failures. We've all done things that have created these chains that want to hold us to our past. We all have these chains of failures that keep replaying in our mind, these things that make us want to stay stuck where we're at. we enter into this new phase, this new era, this new chapter in our story. Because five years ago, when we look back on our past and we think about the decision we had to make five years ago to sell our old church building, the place that we had called home for 60 years, a lot of us felt like we had failed. We felt like we had failed. And we felt like we were paying the price for not being exactly the people that God called us to be. We felt like we failed because we hadn't been as committed to God as we needed to be. So as we enter into this new chapter in the story of our church, it's easy for us to be held back by those chains and to keep telling us the story of we have failed in the past, we're going to fail again in the future. But 
if we're going to be who God wants us to be in the future, we can't be chained to the past. If we're going to be who God wants us to be in the future, we can't be chained to the past. Because when you're committed to following God, God wipes the slate clean. God gives you a chance to write a new story. And we have a chance to write a new story together. We have a chance to write a story about how we can serve the community all around us. We have a chance to write a story about how we can help people that are in need. We have a chance to write a story that will help people grow in their relationship with God. We have a chance to tell a story that will lead people to begin that relationship with Jesus to begin with. Because when you're committed to following God, God rolls your past away. God erases those mistakes. God breaks those chains that set you free. And that's not just true for the people of Israel in the story that we read. It's not just true for our church as we look forward our future. It's also true for you. Because I know that there are people that are worshiping with us right now, but you look at your life and you see all the failures. You see all the mistakes that you've made. You look at your life and you think that you failed as a spouse or as a parent. You feel like you failed in your professional life or in some other way. You feel like you are a failure. But don't let what you've done in the past chain you down to the present. Don't let the mistakes and the failures that you've had in the past chain you down to the present. That could have happened to the people of Israel when they entered into the promised land. They could have been chained down to 40 years of mistakes and failures and not been able to move forward and be who God wanted them to be. It could happen to us as a church. We can look back and we can think about all the mistakes and missteps that we made along the way. And it can keep us from trying to be who God wants us to be in the future. And it can happen in your life, too. Because you've got that story playing out in your mind that you have failed in your marriage, that you failed as a parent, that you failed in whatever area or aspect in your life. It's got to hold you back. That chain is going to keep you anchored to the past. You're not going to be able to be the person that God made you to be to do the things that God wants you to do. But when you commit yourself to following God, He breaks those chains. He erases those mistakes. It no longer matters what you've done in the past. The only thing that matters is what you'll do from this moment forward. gives you a chance to write a new story. A story where you can be the person God wants you to be. You can be the spouse. You can be the parent. You can be that person in your professional life or whatever area that God wants you to be. But it starts with a commitment to follow God, no matter what the future may hold. And when you make that commitment, God's going to give you that chance to break the chains, to start over. God, as we come to you in this word of prayer, you know that from time to time, every one of us feels like we are hopeless. Every one of us feels like we're alone. Every one of us feels like we are a failure. There are those times when we feel like we've failed in our personal relationships, 
our professional lives, we fail those people that we care about the most. God reminds us these failures do not define us. Rather, you are the one who defines us. You tell us that we are your children, people that you created with your own hands, with infinite value and worth, people that you love more than any of us can even begin to imagine. God, when we trust our lives to you, when we commit to following you, you erase those mistakes. You break those chains. You give us the chance to write the story that we want to tell with our lives. So God, help all of us. Let's do a better job of putting the past behind us. Help all of us to do a better job of realizing that you have given us a clean slate every single day. And help us to write the story well hey it's adam again and i just want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of our sermon podcast and i hope that this episode has shown you that there is no such thing as being a failure in the eyes of god because when you commit yourself to following god God erases all of your past mistakes. God breaks the chains of your failures that are holding you back. God gives you a clean slate so that you can write a new story. A story where you become the person God wants you to be and you do the work that God calls you to do. Well, in our next episode, we're going to continue on in the sermon series called The Promised Land. And we're going to be learning another lesson that the people of Israel had to learn as they entered into the promised land to be who God wanted them to be and to do the work that God called them to do. So I hope that you'll come back and join us when our next episode drops next Tuesday morning. As always, if you subscribe to our podcast, that episode will be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app. But don't wait till Tuesday to come and worship with us. We would love to have you come join us online every Sunday morning at mhbclouisville.com slash live. We worship at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time. Well, until next time, I hope that you have a great week. I will be praying for you, and we'll see you back here soon for another sermon podcast.